You are listening to the Snowcross Podcast, presented by Amsoil. Hey, Cheddar Bob. <laughs> oh, there's Bob. There's Bob. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to the Snowcross Podcast, presented by Amsoil. Doing something a little different this week. We got uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Newton. He works in staging for us. And we have uh, race director Bobby Ware with us. And of course, me and Haley as your hosts. We're going to do it live this week. We're going to do, you know, have a little video session. So let's get the, the show started here. Bobby, how's it going today? Good. How about you guys? Oh, pretty well. Pretty well. Still, uh, still warming up after the last weekend. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. It was, uh, you know, we're always thankful to be racing, of course. But that was, that was cold. I don't know that I've ever been out in those cold attempts. But we made it. We, uh we pushed through and yeah, definitely a lot warmer right now indoors for sure. Ryan, how about you? How are you doing? Well, last year at Buffalo river was just as cold. So you have been in that cold. Yeah, in but, Colorado. I was, but I was inside for both of those. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. I was, yeah. how cold was it last weekend for you, Matt and Haley? Was it cold for you guys? Our well, Haley pitch. actually was outside quite a bit. Our uh, actually tank ran out once. So it was cold it wasn't it wasn't terrible it, I mean the hardest part was walking to the back side of the pits like off the back stretch because I didn't have a didn't have a vehicle nor if I did would it probably have started in the cold but that long walk in the <clears throat> excuse me in the wind was pretty brutal um but I should not complain because I got to be up in the booth and actually we had a makeshift studio set up so Kirk and Ted from the production team they had set up this studio with backdrops and we just had like riders and and mechanics and whatnot come in throughout the weekend instead of having to like having us to venture out into the cold of the pits we made them do it and come to us so it worked out really well that's i'll never forget that i'll never forget i was helping my good buddy ryan in staging said bob can you give me a hand on saturday morning sure i can give you a hand so it's 112 below zero without wind chill and uh our printer goes down so our good buddy scoob says i'll just check your phone so who does ryan get the phone to me so we're passing this phone back and forth with bare hands. Can't feel a single digit on our, on either hand. And it was, uh, it was brutal. I was, I was really happy to be helping my good friend out at that time, but, uh, we made it right. Link. Yeah. You did like one race. Hey, oh, come on. Day, at the end of the day, we pulled it off. It was ridiculously cold. We're now halfway through the season. What, uh, what are you guys thinking halfway in, you know, any class you want, throw any class you want. And we'll talk about it. Pro light, pro light. That's been uh, it's been the talk this year. Eight different winners, if I'm not mistaken, right, Haley? That's right, eight different winners, and we mentioned that, and that's like impressive in and of itself. But out of curiosity, when I got home, I started to look back, back to like 2014, 2015 is about as far as I got, and that's kind of when you know a lot of our current pro light riders weren't they're starting to taper off at that point. We didn't have as many in pro light yet. Um, but I was looking at the number of winners we've had each season and let me pull it up here. Um, we, we had in 2015, 16 and 18, 19, we had seven winners and in we 14, 15, we had six, 16, 17, 17, 18, five winners in 2019, 2020, just last year, only four winners. So we got eight and we're only halfway through the season. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And I think it can be anyone's game, but most impressively is Jordan LaBelle. You know, he had that crazy injury. Was it ERX? I think he, yeah, where, where he crashed. Yeah. 
and uh, to know he's already back first off and then his first race back, he wins. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do the rest of the year, but for sure it's uh, it's anyone's game in pro light. It's been a, it's been a fun, fun class to watch for sure. Besides the bell, who do you think is the biggest surprise out of those eight winners? Evan dealt for me. I mean, coming off a shoulder injury, not, not saying he can't win. I know he can win, but you know, having the collarbone issue, just the brace previous in dead. Was it Deadwood? Yeah, I believe so. No, it was Iowa. It was Iowa. But then resting up in Deadwood and then coming out and getting the win was huge for him. And not only that, but it's been, I'm pulling up, pulling it up to confirm, but I believe it's been two or three years since Evans won. So it's, yeah, it's he's been podiumed, but I don't know that he's won, right? Unless my notes are leading me astray. I have Deadwood and Salamanca in 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. but my yes, notes are I at the mercy. Winning in Deadwood. Um, you do remember him winning? I, I thought so in Deadwood. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if any come off as a surprise necessarily. Like with what Ryan said, I do agree. I mean, watching Evan, whether it was collarbone or shoulder, whatever it was, um, when that happened, we all thought, oh boy, worst case scenario, he might be done, you know, and then he comes back and wins. So on a on a injury recovery side of things, surprising for sure. On a talent side of things, like Ryan said, no surprise, but cool to see him up there. Otherwise, I, I honestly think it's anyone's game. And out of the eight winners, none of them are are like, holy cow, I can't believe he pulled that off, essentially. Well, yeah, and I, and I think there's so many more that can win. Like, look at Carson. For sure. Allred. I think Carson Allred's going to win one and, and soon here. I mean, he's he's led 90% of the final, and unfortunately in Deadwood had an issue, but uh, he's had other success. I think he's going to be another one that gets another win or gets a win soon. And someone who's top three in points right now who has not won is Corbin Anderson, so he's due. Oh, yeah. That'd be good to see too. And Travis Kern can't leave him out of the mix. He's been running really good too. He has a couple podiums and a win. And it's, I didn't realize how long Travis has been around in pro light. Someone was just telling me like seven years. Really? Or something like that, oh. that I have to confirm that. So Travis, yeah. if you're watching, please confirm that for us. But um, yeah, that's uh so he's one of the class veterans and that's a, it was cool to see him win a few weeks ago, but he's uh, he's definitely poised to do another. He's been running well. All right, Bobby, what's the second class? Mm, I mean, pro is always good, right? But pro women, actually, I have to say. Um, it's been a Malene Anderson, Megan Brodeur battle and uh, not taking anything away from the others out there. They're all running really good. Tasha Lang, of course, Taven Woody's out, unfortunately. Um, but it's been fun. You know, I know in years past, there's been some dominant winners in the pro women class and uh, we can kind of predict who might come out and win, but this year it's kind of been, uh, it's been a toss up and it's, it's fun to watch for sure. I like seeing that battle between the two. And, and then again, if those two are battling hard, it leaves the opportunity for those in third place to potentially come up and steal it away. So women's been, it's been good. It's been a good mix up fun to watch for sure. 
It has, and no one's running away with it. Megan last year, what was it? Something crazy, like 11 wins in a row. She yeah. hasn't done that. The points are super close right now. I know for sure it's within 10 points, maybe five. Um, so it's it's very, very close. And to see someone like Tasha Lang been super consistent and Inanna Hauger, who I, I still think that this is one of her, her breakout years. She's had a number of podiums and she's made so many changes this year to get to where she is. So it's the, I know uh, Inanna and, and Tasha both so, two of our very youngest riders. So they have a very long career ahead of them, but uh, both, and actually a number of our, our pro women riders looking good this year. For sure. And I'm glad you said Inanna's name. That was, a, I was drawing a blank on trying to think of who else, but yeah, she's coming off a, a nasty injury last year too. So really cool to see her. It's cool that in, you can go down further to like the junior girls, nine to 13 class. This year we have Scoob, what do we have? Like 15 riders, I think, yeah. right? Um, that's huge. I know in years past, it's been more of a limited, limited rider count. And to know that these young girls are coming up, it's going to only make for a better class for the women. So it's exciting to see for sure. Definitely. I know Taven, I was just chatting with her yesterday. She is so pumped to be back this. She had said that actually on, I think it was Saturday night. Now she is, she's crushing it in the booth. We're super excited to have her, but I asked her, I'm like, how is it being at the track? Like, and just, you know, watching every single lap is it therapy for you or is it hard and she's like it's it's good in a way but she said on Saturday night she just broke down like I can't imagine someone like her who's been up there in the championship conversation to have to watch it all from the sidelines man there's there's so much heart that goes into it for for any rider but for someone like her and how close she's been for a few years now that's tough for sure definitely all right Haley you're up pick a class sport man we are like I was thinking sport dude it is so close right now let me yeah, see I did stop it is Kyle Kunstman and Adam Ashline it yeah. uh yeah Kyle had however many um podiums in a row and he is he slipped just incrementally as of recent and uh, Adam's been looking really good but this sport is this is exciting did he win he won both days right Ashline Ashline did did he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm almost positive. I know Friday for sure, and I'm 99% sure Saturday he took it as well. No, that sport class. I was just saying to your to your defense, Haley. It's so fun to watch those guys because they're they're on the edge. I mean, obviously, we all probably get a little bit nervous and tense up when they go out there because you never quite know what's going to happen. No offense to them, but um, you know they're looking at that pro light, that pro ranking. They're looking to make that next step, and they're trying to prove themselves every race out there. So it's uh, it's fun for sure to watch them. And it's going to be interesting to see who may be stepping up to pro light next year, because a number of the riders that have stepped up to pro light this year, um, Caden Woody, of course, Jordan LaBelle, Matt Lamorier, I believe, um, both have, have, have seen successes this year, especially Jordan LaBelle. So it's, it's definitely, um, a, a, not only a feeder system for the pro and pro light, but the, it's been fun to watch. Let's talk about that gap a little bit. Cause like you talk about Caden Woody and Carson Allred and LaBelle all making the jump. You know, last, last year, all three of those guys were battling for wins. Uh, this year, you know, it seems like obviously Jordan LaBelle just came back. He won right off the bat. Carson is, he's running up front. He's having a good year. And Caden's struggling a little bit. So what do you think that difference is? Why is it that some people kind of pick up where they left off and, you know, some people might struggle a little bit? What do you think that, what's the reasoning for that? I think the biggest thing, the competition for sure. 
but especially on the start, like in the sport class, if you don't get a good start, you can, you know, given, given the right circumstances and the speed and depending on the rider, you can make your way through the pack, but in pro light due to the competition, if you don't get a good start, it is a lot harder to make up ground. For sure. The, the level of, of a call, you know, they're also equal going out there. Um, not that sport isn't, but it's it, like you say, if, if one jumps out and gets 12th on the final to jump up one or two spots only is pretty common depending. I mean, even the best of the best riders, you know what I mean? It's not like they can go zinging by them or in sport class, there might be a little bit more flexibility on that side of things, but yeah, competition for sure. And then of course, there's always the, the sled issues or, you know, ongoing problems that mechanical problems we might not know about too, but um, yeah, I would go with Ryan on that for sure. The competition level, no offense to anybody. It's just straight across the line, pretty even all the way, you know? And to both your guys' points, like, you know, your sport classes, it's so focused on, on growth and development. And once you get to pro, it's like, okay, you're, you're making it now you're, you're under the pro rank. So it's kind of like, there's a, there's a threshold to break through and in order to get there. And, um, so you just see more of a, more of a talent gap in the sport. And that's just from guys and, and, um, and women too, just trying to, you know, close the gap and, and get better as they move on to pro light. For sure. Okay, well, let's go snow bike. Let's do so snow you're, bike. You're kind of the snow bike queen here. So let's, let's <laughs> lead us off here. Dude, I was looking at uh, points last night. Uh, Jesse Kirchmeyer, he's been flawless, 400 points. He's poised to, uh, to make 800 if he can keep it up. Um, and the reason why Jesse is so dominant is – he just puts in more seat time than anyone. Now, the last few weeks, I think before Deadwood, it was between Iowa and Deadwood. He actually had, I think it was like uh, uh, mono and strep throat, one of the variations of it. And he didn't have any seat time, but um, even still, like he just puts in the hours and it, uh, and it shows Troy Horbody, his, one of our youngest riders, 16 years old, and just narrowly was able to make it down to the States this year. One of the few from Canada able to make it down to race. He's been, he's been showing results. Uh, Keaton Ward been consistently on the box for the last few season, seasons. He's the king of saves. If you saw what happened in uh, moto two on Saturday, one of our riders came down, um, off a jump and just got squirrely and Keaton had to just navigate around him. And that's really tricky to do on a snow bike because they're not just as much point and steer as a sled. You really have to just trust the bike. It's going to go where it's going to go. And he maintained it, got her back on track and got a podium spot. So those three, it's been exciting. And while we have been hurting a little bit for numbers this year, just because of um, the border situation, with a, with the pandemic X games being canceled, we did have two newcomers this last weekend from a NASBA competition. So NASBA is the series that's predominantly West-based um, out in the mountains. So very different style of racing for these two gentlemen. Um, and I, I'm not hundred percent sure, hope to see more of them. Um, but at any rate, it's good to see more riders come out. Troy has been very impressive. I mean, he, to be, like you say, 16 years old and he's, he's holding his own out there for sure. I can see him being a top runner here in the next three, four years. Most I want to see him. I want to see him squeak one by Jesse. I mean, to see, to see Jesse win them all. He, I mean, the kids, Jesse's amazing, you know, but to see Troy get by him, I, I'd like to see it just to mix things up a little bit. He's not going to be a top sure. qualifier last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. On Saturday. 
Yeah, he's a, that that's the ultimate goal right now for for Troy is he wants to dethrone Jesse and I know he's a, he's going for it but it with with any of the competitors in snowbike like everyone is best buds I know they're going to race each other clean um but man if anyone wants it it's it's Troy most definitely <laughs> what else is cooking in a what's cooking in pro these days Elias Ishul He's been holding on to that red plate since Iowa. <laughs> yeah, he's on another level for sure. You know, in a in a very complimenting way. The kid's just he's good. He's real good. Um, but I think honestly, pro this year, um, we could probably all agree, you know, maybe Elias is on a different level, but everyone else, it's pretty, I mean. I think anyone could essentially win at this point out of the 15 riders. And I think it's the most competitive group we've had in quite a few years, which is, which is super fun. You know, there's always seems to be that one dominant, whether it was Tucker Hibbert years past now, Elias Ashul, but um, moving back, you know, second through 15th in the, in the finals, it's pretty wide open. I feel like. Yeah. Trent Whitworth getting a podium last weekend. That was huge. That was yeah. Huge. That was so massive for him because he is like he had he had said it in his podium interview. He said the last year and a half he's been through hell, just like having change ups in his program. Now he's back on Articat working with his dad. And that's been it's been good for them, but that's not to say they have not struggled very much so this year. And a lot of that has been due to his wrist. So it's it's really, really good to see Trent Whitworth up here in his sophomore year getting that first pro podium. And I hope there's more where that came from because in pro light and sport, which through the he's moved up very quickly he had a phenomenal years so there's a there's a bright future in in pro and it's good to see him you know starting to show show some definite speed this last weekend yeah and him and hunter patnode have actually kind of progressed together when hunter won his sport championship he was battling with whitworth and same in pro light um hunter was battling with whitworth for wins and now they're both in the pro class so it's cool they both have podiums and they're it's cool that they're both you know at the top of their game in the pro class. For sure. We have a Lincoln Lemieux who started off the season super hot, um, won the opening round. He had a TNF the next night due to the side panel coming off the sled, um, a few podiums in there, but he's just kind of hit a, um, a little bit of lull, lull in the season. Of course, Deadwood was just not good luck for him. He was so happy to have it behind him. He was able to uh, get a fifth, on a Friday night in Fargo, but he was amid some pretty good battles this weekend. Yeah, Lincoln's good for sure. I mean, he's won the season opener the past three years. He's been second in points numerous times and he's third in points right now overall, but uh, you can never count the kid out. He's, uh, he's truly fast and he's, if there's anybody that's going to run down Ishel. he's for sure a top contender for that um do i think Ishel's going to be tough to run down of course um but if anyone was going to do it i would i wouldn't bet against lincoln definitely an issue too like and you know there's so much we can say about elias uh, elias excuse me like the way he has won this year has not been from starting on the front row and just running away with it. No, he has started from the back row and won. He has had starts that were less than ideal and he has worked his way through. So regardless, if he does have a, a commanding lead when the checkered flies, he has had to work for it and it's not been boring to watch by any means because no one wants to see anyone just run away with it, you know. If I'm not mistaken, when we're in Deadwood, I think him and Cody 
lapped all the way up to fourth place. Mm-hmm. And that's just insane. I mean, even for Cody, after coming off an injury last year, uh, you know, from Canterbury, I believe his injury was. Mm-hmm. And so most of the season last year and, you know, for him to come back, get a one, does he have two podiums now? Two. Yep. He had a third and a second in Deadwood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's coming on strong, didn't, uh, show everything he has last weekend, but you know, him and Oscar, they're, they're running good. Do you guys remember that year in Duluth when Tucker lapped the entire field? <laughs> Is that Duluth or Deadwood? Was that Duluth? Duluth. It was it the was? first race of the year. It was oh, that yeah, Sunday. Yeah. That's yeah. Sunday. I'll never forget when he, in Deadwood, what I'm thinking of is when he fell off, I think the opening yep. lap was, was almost lapped and came back and won. And I remember the Deadwood crowd going insane because I had that, never seen anything like it. Wasn't that for his 100th win too? Ah, uh, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so it was a huge deal. Pretty that cool. was fun to watch. The rumor mill has it. Tucker made an appearance in Fargo. I don't know if you guys had seen him. I know I didn't. He was oh. like, and with the cold too, you were masked up, like eyes only showing, wearing all black. I had heard he had been spotted around the pits. I think it'd be cool to have him around. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he's an ambassador of the sport. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And even when we have Blair around, the people go nuts. They love Blair. And he's such a good guy. I mean, can't blame him, but mm-hmm. it'd be awesome to get those get those grades back together and be awesome to do something like this with them. Yeah, we could put a fifth screen in this little thing and have Tucker on it, right? Five of us. <laughs> I, I would love that, Tucker. If yeah. you're listening, please. Uh, we, we want we want we want Chime more in. of you. Chime in, yeah. <laughs> one of these times get a get Tromblay too he was talking about that on his podcast last spring is just getting together with with Tucker and Blair and and uh Robbie all these guys just to have a little round table so uh we want to make it happen that's for sure but hope to see hope to see them all around speaking of Tromblay it sounds like they they were supposed to come back um him and Sam Bluon back for Deadwood but just because of the border that's not happening so they're gonna try to make it towards the end of the season but um Unfortunately, no sighting of Tremblay yet, who was, I believe, going to come back and race Pro-Am plus 30. Yeah, but, and actually, yeah, I talked to Tim this week, and uh, he said they're not coming to, at least at this point in the season, because of, obviously, like you said, the border, and they wouldn't be able to get back and see their kids. And he said that's just too much to get over right now. So, For sure, for sure. But uh, on to talk about some more of our, our pro teams, um, like Kyle Pauline, team Lavalle, Adam Peterson, current pro light points leader. They are, they're looking great this year. Yeah, it's awesome. Obviously they were team of the year last year. Um, and they're coming out swinging again this year, their whole, their whole team is doing excellent. Um, even Riley Bester is putting up some, some solid numbers and, um, yeah, that whole, that whole crew is gelling really well. And obviously, the whole Polaris program has grown immensely over the last couple of weeks. They struggled at the beginning part of the year, but now since Deadwood, they've been, uh, they've been very solid. Yeah. Yeah, Poor Riley. He's, he's been, uh, he's had some bad luck this year. I mean, just problems. And then, you know, and we're in Fargo, I think he, I think he ended up hurting his back there, came off the sled and hurt his back a little bit, tweaked it. I don't think it was anything too major, but, you know, I really hope to see him up on the point. He's a great kid and 
fun to watch. For sure. You know what I love too with, with speaking of Lavalli's team is, is Kyle Pauline. You love Kyle just because he's, he's Kyle, right? But as a racer, you know, this year we went to the 10 minutes plus two laps and it, it essentially is separating the, the men from the boys, if you want to call it that. But I, you know, Kyle might not be one that comes up and, and wins, 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 wins. But no matter where he is, no matter if he falls off first lap or gets in a top five off the whole shot, that kid will charge till the end and make passes till the very end. Like his stamina, his shape, his talent is he's always there. If that, if that makes sense, even though he might not be on the podium, the kid is, is he's definitely a hard charger for sure. For sure. Always trying, never gives up. He doesn't care if he knows he's going to keep in 15th, you know, he's going to stay there and he's going to still push till the end. What about, uh, what about Warner? It's Dan Benham. He's not out for the season, potentially could be making an appearance towards the latter, latter weekends. But um, also <laughs> Francis has been up there, uh, a podium for him and a couple of top fours. I think he's a rookie of the year contender. I think, uh, I think Francis is fast. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It sucks to see Benham go, but um, Francis, he's, He's going to be really fast in the coming years. Most definitely. Yeah. He's a, he's had the speed to run in pro for, for a minute now with um, just how well he's done in pro light the last couple of seasons. So um, no surprise there to see him doing well. And like you said, there's a, there's a big career ahead of him there. And um, other writer, just want to make sure to mention um, Jacob Yerk is Anstra Motorsports. Um, he has looked, he's so good. He had his first pro win at Deadwood, which wow. Um, talk about a comeback story and just, uh, just fighting back after that big injury a year ago. That was in Deadwood too, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you get hurt in Deadwood? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was actually where we saw so much carnage this year in the Polaris corner, that left-hander before the finish. That was a, that was where it happened. And that's where it seemed like a lot of people have, have gotten hurt just and that's, you know, just a product of the conditions and the racing that Deadwood produces, but it's good to see him make a, actually a very quick comeback after that. He was actually ready to come back uh, last season in Michigan, but um, yeah, just, just good to see him uh, come out with a win a year later. Great for him and the, I mean, the entire team, Nick and the entire team. I mean, they, they were, they worked their butts off and to see, you know, a team like that, not a big known team to get a pro win is just absolutely huge. Most definitely. I remember the last time it was done. It's been done by not like a true factory team. I, I couldn't tell you the last guy to do it. I remember when Travis Muller did it in pro light. In yeah. uh, New York, I believe, but pro, I can't remember. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's good to see. I remember York, Jacob York last year after that injury. I couldn't tell you the, the extent of the injury besides horrible. Um, and the next day, I think it was the next day, it was a Friday he got injured on Saturday. I'm walking through the pits and I happened to see him and his dad walking up. And like always, they always say hi, they're great people. And uh, I said, Jake, I'm just, it's, I'm happy to see you here. How are you doing? He goes, well, I'm, I'm hurting. He goes, and I, I wouldn't, well, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm feeling every bit of it, but I wanted to show up to sign autographs for my fans. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's huge. You know what I mean? He's uh, he was in a hospital bed. He got transferred to his hotel bed and he told his dad, you know, bring me to that racetrack so I can 
connect with my fans. So that just goes to show you, you know, it's uh, he, he's dedicated and he's a diehard and it's awesome to see him get a win for sure. Definitely. And on that note, and in terms of being a, an Articat teammate, if you will, or an ex-teammate, but also um, one of the premier Articat writers, Logan Christian, who Christian family does so much for, for the fans um, with their giveaways and just giving back to the sport um, with hosting some regional events on their property. But Logan Christian actually was in a very, very impressive run in the last round in Fargo. Um, I was talking with Josie after in the recap and she's like, yeah, he's never been a super aggressive rider, but, um, the moves he was making just very methodical and patient to solidify that, uh, second place finish for Logan. And that's fantastic. One of the local runners who has a lot of fans in that area, but one of the class veterans, um, and he's, uh, always been able to get a number of podiums the, each year. So a solid run for Logie. Still looking for that first win though. Still. And I always go back to that time in uh, Jackson Hole when he was leading with one corner to go and Tucker got by him. You guys <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You think as a great friend. Those guys are great friends. You think yeah. you would have just gave it to him? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he's only got a million. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, Logan's been, uh, he's been around the longest in the pro class. 2010-2011 uh, was his first season, and he's been so close. For so many years, he's, I want to, uh, 29, he's still young. Mm -hmm. I mean, Snowcross. Compared to you, you old man. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Yep. I had to retire from my racing career a few years ago. What career was that? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Registration. Now I'm race directing. (laughs) well let me ask you about um just the you know with race directing um i myself am very curious how it works but you guys have had to make some calls this year and we don't need to get into it specifically but what is the process when something questionable happens on track like where does it go from there like how do you guys end up making a call even if that call is made you know minutes or or hours sometimes after a race is made or after a race is finished yeah um, it's obviously the toughest part of the job for sure. But, uh, Jesse Scott and I work, I feel really well together. I love working with those guys. And, um, basically, you know, if, if one of us three sees something on track, we, we let the other one know if it's something we feel confident with at that moment, we'll, we'll penalize as needed during that race. Um, if it's something we're unsure about, don't want to necessarily make that call and penalize somebody for maybe not making a mistake, we'll review it in the booth afterwards. Um, that being said too, we also take word from our other flaggers and officials. Um, so if somebody sees, let's say a jump under yellow, um, if it's, again, if it's, they're hundred percent confident and we know for a fact, yes, let's go ahead and dock that rider. But um, many times it seems to be something where we wait till the end of the race, just to assure that the penalty is, is, necessary and it and that it did in fact happen but it's a tough spot i mean many people say hey you should penalize if, if you see a jump under yellow dock them right away let them you know jump drop back as needed and continue to race well then the other half say wait till afterwards and review it because you might be penalizing this rider that doesn't necessarily that didn't have an infraction so we it, it's tough for us because we have to keep that in mind and we try to be respectful as we can with that but um, as far as the process goes, you know, most times after a big race, you know, any of the pro classes, the sport classes, Jesse, Scott, and I'll get together. Um, if not 
just talk about it, go meet in the booth and, and check out a replay and, and go from there. So, um, yeah, it, it's tough. There's a, there's a process that we have in, in, I feel we do it as best we can, but it's never easy for sure. And, and to some it's the right way and to others, it's, it's the wrong way, but we got to do what we feel is best, obviously. Yeah, like you guys said, it's a super high pressure position to be put in and you never want to have to be put in those positions, but it's racing and, and things like that happen. Now you mentioned looking at footage and I've just like, cause usually Carl's up in the tower with, with the announcers and I've seen like, he has all these different camera angles. So is it accurate to say like the TV truck, like they're recording all angles, even if it's not on the live stream. So you guys are able to look at an incident from however many angles it was recorded on by the cameras. Yeah, correct. And it's, I mean, we can see if there's a replay needed, um, we, we can have Joe and the product and CTN and the truck look at the angles provided at that, at that exact race. Um, there, there isn't always footage on what obviously we need to see, say there's a incident in seventh and eighth place and all of the cameras are focused on first, second or third. Um, that's an unfortunate circumstance where you can't actually see what had happened, but no, you're right. In fact, um, a call made earlier this year, we went into, it was a, it was a delayed call for obvious reasons that we wanted to make sure it was right. But, um, our producer of, of the, the, uh, snowcross show, Joe Harowitz gave me a, a raw link to basically like every minute of every camera angle shot, even if it was like dead air, you know, with the flag blowing. And we, we were able to search through that actually he did thankfully. And he found the exact incident that we needed to fortunately prove our ourselves correct on the call now obviously that could bite us in the butt you know if in fact it was the other way but we got lucky um but yeah it, it's i i it's it's a love-hate relationship with replays for me um i love it for the fact that we can back our calls but i also hate it because i'm also a believer that if if you are if you feel there's a penalty maybe you should serve it and race back to that position without all of a sudden you know a half hour after getting third place you're being told hey you got six because you jumped under yellow you know but at the same time it it reassures your decision so i i get it so again it's a love-hate relationship and i feel like everyone feels you know that way on it obviously but cameras help they do help for sure definitely okay i've got one more group of questions before we end this show cool and i have one that's like not uh just kind of a goofy one at the end. So you are wherever. So you go okay. with it. So usually how the end of the, at the end of the year at the banquet, we usually um, give some cool awards like team of the year, rookie of the year, most improved. Let's see what you guys think. We're halfway through the season. Who do you guys think is the rookie of the year right now? I'm still going with Hunter. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Francis has been consistent. But Are we talking pro or all consistent too, hasn't he? It, it, rookie of the year, I would say it can be like uh, sport up. You gotta Ooh. give us these questions beforehand, yeah. You know, no. give us time to think. Oh no, that is so tough. But based on what we had seen first night in Fargo, and this was his first pro light race, because mind you, he was injured in the first round. Uh, Jordan Labelle. Yeah, you took my answer. Yeah. I, uh, I feel strongly on that as well. Just the way he rode last weekend after an injury, it's like he hadn't even been off the sled. He's just, he, he's, he's another one that moved up through the ranks quick in well-deserving of it. 
and to still be proving himself, you know, going back to our earlier in our, our podcast here, when we were saying that at the pro light level, they're also equal. Well, he's still advancing in my eyes. You know what I mean? He's still taking those steps to progress forward. And uh, I would say I, I would pick LaBelle for sure. Ryan, you staying with Hunter? Yeah, Hunter or Francis, I can't. I'm going to I think I'm going to have to go with Francis, though. I mean, he's been more consistent as in the front, more towards the second half of what we've done. But Hunter was really strong at the beginning half. So I'm going to pick them both. And Can I do that? Can I give them both awards? Yeah. Okay. Sure. And I think that. like to your point on Francis or on Francis, too, he's been strong. But um, to Hunter to be leading the pro points coming out of the first weekend to get a mm-hmm. four in a two or vice versa. Um, forgive me. I can't remember exactly the order, um, but that's impressive. We have a lot of racing left to go. So this will be very telling for Francis and Hunter. Um, Hunter's had a bit of tough, a bit of a tough go lately. So it's all about how he's going to rebound from that here in the latter half of the season. How about though? Let's go back to pro women. How about Tasha Lang and Inanna Hager? I mean, they're for that class, in my opinion, they've been doing Scooby. You're gonna talk. I can I can yeah. see it, but they're doing you know, well. Yeah, they're they're super fast, but the problem is they're not rookies. Oh, rookies yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hello, <laughs> hello. How about I was just thinking most improved. I was going most improved. Yeah, let's that? go. Let's go most improved. Yeah, most improved. Tasha uh, that's my thing last year. She did. Yep. Okay. Okay. I, and, um, that's a tough one. Honestly, I would think about going Trent Whitworth. Good yeah. call. I don't know. I mean, he's got one podium and he's been hurt most of the season. Better than he did last year. Uh, that is very true. Very true. One podium, um, but also, if I'm not mistaken, a qualifier win. So all in all, a really good day on Friday. It's just going to be, is he? it's going to come down to, I think, is he going to be able to get this wrist pain under control? Because he was saying before Fargo, he took a cortisone shot um, and that helped, but he can get like one day on that cortisone shot, one day of riding before it's just shot. So that may have come into play on Saturday. I'd say it's very likely. So that's just an injury that came a preseason. So it's been a minute now, but he hasn't taken much downtime on it. So or another Proved I I'd go I can Corbin. Be- Corbin Anderson. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I can get all three of you on board with this one. Taylor Cole. Oh, yeah, dude. For sure. Yeah. yeah. He's sure. running strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for his incident on Friday and then coming back off of that and getting, I believe he got fifth place on Saturday last week. Yep. And several podiums. And he's just been, he's been riding really good. For sure he really has one of our pro light winners this year. And I feel like it's, it's okay to talk about this now because it's a very sensitive situation. What happened on Saturday? Um, it sounds like the, the gas cap had fallen off. Gary Walton from ride X 365 had posted a picture of this and that will happen when you're pushing these sleds to the absolute edge. And, um, some of these taller riders, what's happening is their knees are hitting it. Um, just cause where the, the gas cap is located on these Polaris sleds. Um, so it's, you know, it, no one's fault necessarily. It's one of those racing things, but it just looked super, super bad. And I I believe what happened is the fuel had spilled onto the brakes, which were super hot, caused it to go up in flames, but, um, no major burns for Taylor Cole. Um, 
but the fact that they were able to uh, get another sled together and come out and be competitive on Saturday night. Wow. Fortunately, uh, it was actually me and Bob that were there first. And uh, fortunately, we were in the right place at the right time to get that fire put out really quick. And I believe, I believe it was Jesse Thielen, uh, Mitchell Thielen's dad, came over and he had a pit coat on me, threw that on him, tried to put the fire out. And, and actually, he did not get a different sled. I was told by his dad that he actually ran the same sled. Polaris got him part, and they were able to put that sled back together and uh, race that same sled Saturday. No way. Even more impressive. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That was, and I, I can, like, I can only imagine. Let me ask you this: from your guys's perspective, you're down there. Those flames had to have felt like forever. It was a matter of seconds, but just being down there in the thick of it, like that was a. I can imagine that felt like an eternity. I said after the fact uh, that was the first time that week and that it was actually warm. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was a fire on the sled and a human, but you know, it, uh, yeah, it was scary. It was felt like something forever. that we've never seen. And yeah, it literally felt like it was like 10 minutes long to get that thing out. And then uh, there was actually a video out there that somebody had and uh, did see that. And it was like literally like three seconds. I think that, we had him out and it was very grateful that he was good and okay after that. No burns. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. Well, I got one more. How about team of the year? Thinking. Johns. Thinking. You're going boss. All right. I'm going boss. What do we base? What, what do we base this off of? Is this overall result? Is it minimal mechanicals? Uh, kind of a little bit of everything. You know, it could be from results, could be to supporting like Snowcross as a whole. Um, just kind of whoever you think did an excellent job that year. Oh, this is so tough because it is tough. Like if we look at results alone, it's been so spread out for almost all of our classes. Um, all of our teams are are so, so great when it comes to fan interaction and just making themselves uh, available to fans and engaging. Obviously this year has its challenges with COVID, um, but oof, putting us on the spot here. I, you know, Haley, you go. No, I, no, you go. <laughs> I, I will. I mean, boss for this Jimmy John, you know, boss racing for this, for the fact that they're, they're overall accomplishments, but um, as there are other teams, of course, the fact that what they had to go through as well for, for uh, COVID, you know what I mean? The, the coming from overseas, the paperwork and everything else, that was the dedication they put forth in, in, you know, I know Elias, I, I believe Jordan as well. Once they cross, they're here to stay, you know, all family back home. So, um, that commitment just to, to do that for essentially ISOC racing is, is huge, you know, and again, they're not the only team by any means, but just to shout out to all those teams for, for that commitment, it's, it's, a, it's doesn't go unknown for sure. Yeah. We need those guys. Yeah. Everyone. More Has Garrett been team. able to come across? I haven't even seen him once this year. I don't think. I don't believe so. No. Huh. 
I don't think so. And and, and with Boss too, like Jordan, the whole time he was injured, he's here. He's what, 16 yeah. years old and has to recover from such a major injury. I believe his mom was here for um for the injury for ERX, thankfully. But um, other than that, he's been flying solo and um, that's not without a, a, a phenomenal team that supports him through that. And Jamie Chaney, like he, uh, he is such a, he's, he's one bad dude. He has these sleds ripping, um, you know, they, of course the results are showing it, but that's one thing that Jordan LaBelle just gave absolute credit to is, is him, his mechanic, Jesse and, and the whole team is they've, they've got it figured out and they've been dominant. The results show it. So, and also they put out a, I don't know if you guys saw it, but boss racing, I know on Instagram yesterday, put out a post about how they've been getting some, some flack and comments online about the fact that they're riders and everyone's wearing masks. And I would just like to kind of defend them too. And saying like the fact that anyone's bringing that up and kind of like poking at them for it, like they are doing their part because as they said, like if one of their team members, anyone is to contract the virus that puts the championship at stake. So everyone's doing their part to, to keep everyone safe here, whether you love the masks or you hate them. It's what we got to do to go racing and also just to keep these athletes safe. So props to boss for going out there and saying that, um, it, again, it's just a shame that that would, you know, they had to say something because it's very smart on their part. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Haley, finish out the show. Okay. I asked you guys with off-road because we had these guys on the championship off-road podcast presented by Amsoil. If you hadn't had a chance to listen, um, go check that out. But uh, I think I asked you guys something to the effect of I know where this which, is going. which, which pro four rider in a foot race would win this thing. Uh, who would it be from the pro class if they just, you know, one lap start to finish. Kyle Pleen, <laughs> hands down. Ah, yep. Kyle Pleen. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. Hmm. Why is that? I just think the kid is like, he doesn't get tired. You know, he's a big cross country skier and, and he works out yeah. like a madman, I'm sure. And um, I don't know. I just, uh, I've been around him so many times coming off the track. It's like, dude, you just raced for 12, 13 minutes as hard as you possibly can. You're not even breathing hard, you know? <laughs> so I just think, uh, yeah, yeah, I would take Kyle for sure. I'm going Emil Har. I was going to say uh, Emil Har too. There you yeah. go. And the reason being is talking to Juddy. He said that Emil, they actually call him Mooses. Um, yeah. He is an avid moose hunter. And I guess I, I know nothing about moose hunting, but um, you have to like sprint through the forest <laughs> up in like the Arctic circle to find your, to find the moose. And um, you know, that's, that takes some athleticism. So I asked Juddy, he's like, hands down, it would be Emil who wins the foot race. So that, Matt, that's also my pick. Yep. Same. Well, that being said, well, let's we have those two foot race. Much. Har? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's been pretty, he's been a good runner too this year mm -hmm. for rookie of the year. Definitely. Huh? He... Well, well what, do you, what do you got, Matt? You disagree with no, me? Or I'm just going just gonna to agree. Just gonna You're going to agree? agree? But yeah. you kind of look like you have that face on you that's disagreeing. No, I agree. I still want to see Emil and Kyle run on foot together, race each other. <laughs> we should well, try to get this going. Let's make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So we have this, and then in off-road, we're getting Luke Combs to the race. So we got a lot of things to accomplish. Yeah, I think one of, one of the two things are a lot easier than the other. The Luke Combs thing. That one's yeah, easy. Yeah, for sure. For that's sure. a lot easier. 
easy. Just shoot him a text, Scoop. Yeah, perfect. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to the Snowcross podcast presented by Amsoil. A little different this week. Obviously, thanks to Bobby and Ryan for joining us. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks and see you in Sioux Falls. You are listening to the Snowcross podcast presented by Amsoil. Amsoil.